Okay, welcome to another edition of the Cultural Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. My name is Nosayari and welcome to another episode. Um, today I have a Canadian on the podcast. I guess I've had a couple of people from Canada. The last Canadian I had was Chucky from Trad Magazine, but all the way from Ontario, Canada. Welcome, James Harrison. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I say that like you're in the room. We're doing this over Zoom, but still. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your day going? Like, um, I know, you know, parts of Canada are cold. Where exactly are you in Canada and what's it like in March? Um, I live about a north, uh, hour north of Toronto, so it, it's pretty cold. Um, we got we got snow banks. We got uh, the air hurts our face. The air so. hurts your face? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's You've never heard one. that expression? No, not really. Uh, it's it's uh, pretty common. Uh, the joke is, is why do I live in a place where the air hurts my face? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, uh, here in the U.S., a lot of people seem to be moving to Texas and Florida. Well, not so much Texas now, more Florida. But um, I guess people are moving to places where the air doesn't hurt their faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so... How exactly do I describe you? Are you like a magician, uh, an illusionist? I'm in an interesting subset. Um, I am a pickpocket magician entertainer. Um, As one of my friends said to me, I put all my points into the rogue category, uh, being a Dungeons & Dragons nerd myself. Um, But uh, essentially, I use my sleight of hand to borrow objects from my audience and then return them back later without their knowledge. Oh, so so you Take do this all in an act, right? Yes. Uh, I usually would get hired. Uh, my specialty is close-up magic. Uh, and I would, while I'm showing you a magic trick, I would borrow your watch, your wallet, your cell phone, uh, pens, glasses. Uh, I took a guy's belt one time, a tie, wow. several ties. I've even taken necklaces and earrings. That's pretty interesting. I'm sure with the obvious social distancing restrictions, uh, you know, um, things are pretty limited with how you can perform those kinds of acts nowadays. Um, And maybe we can get into things we can do remotely, uh, maybe a little down the podcast. But let's talk about you growing up. Like, uh, this is very interesting. I like to ask creative people how they grew up because I like to see if I can tie their eventual choice of career or their creativity to maybe a certain point in time when they were like a boy or a girl. What was it like for you growing up in Canada and how did you find yourself doing magic or pickpocketing? Well, the interesting thing about that is is that I did not think I was going to be a magician when I was growing up. I was uh, being educated on how to teach martial arts. Mm. I am a second degree black belt in karate. I am a black belt in judo, and in the year 2000, I was ranked second in Canada for amateur mixed martial arts. Wow. So I guess if anyone gets angry while you're picking pockets, you can kick their ass, huh? Well, (laughs) there there is a degree of confidence that uh, I am allowed, let's just say. Right. But uh, it uh, was the path that I was taking, and then I had injured my knee. I had torn tendons in my right knee. Oh, my. And I was bedridden for a while. Oh, my. Was that during uh, karate or judo? I was getting ready for a match in the cage, actually. Wow. Um, I was, uh, we were doing a, a sort of like an Iron Man thing. 
one person would come in uh, if they tapped uh, if there was no break the next person would jump in trying to work your endurance and uh, one of the guys was a little more aggressive than uh, uh, I guess he should have been and uh, sort of wrenched my knee a certain way and me being young and stubborn I didn't uh, didn't pay attention to the pain I just pushed through it and when I got home the tendon let go and oof, I went to the hospital how old were you? I was 23. 23. So you didn't tap out or anything during the match or the practice? No, I tapped. I won. <laughs> but like I said, I, was I didn't want to. My ego got in the way. I, I, I should have tapped. I should have said, hey, no, no, we're good. We're good. You get, you get your turn. Mm. But uh, there was a bit of pride involved. So um, I took, lived with the pain and then uh, made him tap. And then the next guy jumped in and I just sort of coasted holding on to that guy and then the night was done wow so that made you bedridden for how long uh, originally was supposed to be six to eight weeks then six to eight weeks turned into six to eight months oh my because i fell down half a flight of stairs and uh, got a blood clot in my leg oh my so so while so that, you were bedridden was this when you decided to change careers yeah um, I saw, I watched about two weeks of uh, The Crocodile Hunter, and I thought maybe I should watch something else because right now that looks like that's something that should not be that hard. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little too influenced by this. So I started flipping through channels, and uh, I caught, uh, of all people, uh, a David Blaine street magic special with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in it. David Blaine, the guy who flies from building to building? Oh, that's Chris Angel. Oh, that's uh, David Chris Angel. Blaine was the uh, was the street magic guy. He would uh, uh, bite quarters in half with his teeth and then spit it back on. Um, he was the guy that uh, floated in the middle of the street while people were freaking out, everything like that. And uh, one of the one of the things that he did in one of his specials was actually stealing someone's watch without them knowing. Wow! So, so. you were twenty three. You stumbled upon David Blaine on the TV. What was yep. your, how did you start to practice? Did you just look it up on the internet? Was, did you uh, just grab an yeah, object? Uh, and start it, was a combination, so? it was a combination of uh, two things. One, using the internet, but uh, there, was a, there was a commercial for an uh, uh, online website for magic called Illusionist. And I uh, had a lot of free time and my, the company I was working for at the time was nice enough to pay me my... Uh, salary while I was healing. So I had a lot of disposable income. Nice. So I just started buying magic tricks. Wait, did you say you buy magic tricks? You know, that's an interesting... So are magic tricks... Uh, and th This is a question I've always had at the back of my mind. Are magic tricks more so... Um, how do I put this? Are, are they more so tricks or, or illusions, if you will? Or are they like magic magic? Because where do we draw the line between a trick using like a magnet or an invisible thread or something or an actual paranormal activity like magic, Dungeons and Dragons stuff? Well, uh, magic magic is what is perceived. Nice answer. Because we have no possible explanation. Tricks are uh, uh, tricks sort of lean towards uh, the method being the reason why you're purchasing this at a magic shop. Illusions tend to be the things that you see on stage. Um, but magic, essentially, for the most part, is what you perceive in your mind. So um, if, I if you were sitting here and I made uh, my ring float from hand to hand between them, 
from one hand to the other, and then I handed my ring to you to uh, inspect, that would be magic. What you perceived is magic. Whether it's real or not is not really a debate that I'm interested in because right. magic is not something that I believe is real, but the perception of magic I believe is real. But being a, like a pickpocket entertainment magician, like being in that industry, you obviously have, you must have some friends in the industry having to observe things that you haven't, you don't necessarily know how to explain that maybe you haven't seen that particular trick before or something that you know is not just possible. Um, in the industry, um, I have seen tricks that I have no explanation for. However, I know the person that's doing the trick. And I know that that guy puts his pants on one leg at a time and has a greasy spoon <laughs> breakfast on Sundays like I do. Right, right. No, I mean, I can understand things like, you know, like some people use uh, rings and things and, you know, there, there's a ring that's like foldable or detachable. But how the hell do you explain someone floating from one building to the other when there's no crane or jetpack kind of thing? Like, how? and he's floating oh. above people's heads. So, like, it's not like there's yeah. anything. In regrettably, regrettably, I'm, I'm, my speciality is uh, borrowing things from others without permission. Right. So uh, I, I can't really get into the uh, the logistics of how a person can float from one table to the other or walk on water. But most of my stuff is along the lines of how did that item appear in the other that person's pocket when he's across the room? That's right. more my speciality. Okay. Rather, how did he get my wallet without me knowing? Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And and you said, you know, you had a lot of disposable income. You were like on this website and you purchased yeah. a trick. Like, um, again, another from the outside looking in, I used to think that, you know, secrets and tricks were very closely guarded and you know that even if they were passed down maybe you have to be an apprentice or something under someone i had no idea that you could like i had the idea that i could purchase like props and things so when you say purchase mm -hmm. tricks what do you mean like the method like a a recipe kind of uh, that, that would be an accurate statement. It's like the recipe for a trick. Um, these are the ingredients, which is the props. This is the, the way you use the uh, props to achieve the desired effect. Now, I will say that the stuff that you brought up um, was very much what I thought of magic before I saw the website on the television commercial. The cartoon was called The Raccoons. It was a Canadian uh, cartoon on Monday evenings. And uh, one particular episode, they had a magician come to the forest. And it was the exact same thing that you had mentioned. Uh, you have to know a magician to become a magician. And you had to prove yourself worthy. And um, I believe I watched this when I was 13 years old. And he talked about how he, if you could prove that you could learn to do this one thing, which was at the time on the show, was rolling a coin over your knuckles. Okay. If you could know that you could do that that would prove yourself worthy and i would teach you magic tricks Interesting. so being a 13 year old kid i tried to do that i, I see people do that in vegas all the time they roll yeah. like the chips over their knuckles and stuff like that doesn't i haven't tried it before but i don't know how hard that is were you able to do that not right away no uh, eventually it took me months to uh, get it down um uh, get it down to the point where i could do it with both hands wow but uh 
unlike the stories, no uh, mystical magician had appeared in my life when I had gotten it down. Right, right. So what was this first trick you purchased? I'm curious to, to kind of like understand your journey. What was the first trick? How long did it take you to master it? Um, oh, so the first, it wasn't so much a trick. It was a videotape. And this is how I'm tipping my age. It was a VHS cassette um, that was re- recording of a series of tricks. So it was about 12 tricks on the tape. Uh, the only one I remember that I did from it was you would have someone pick a card and you would tell them that it would vanish from the deck. You would spread the card, cards out to show that the cards had vanished. And then the card that vanished was to appear somewhere, could appear in an, uh, underneath an ashtray, um, in a coffee cup, in the refrigerator. You, the, the sky was the limit. Okay. Well, I showed this to my brother and I decided I thought it would be funny if I made the card appear in his pocket. How do you do that? And I, without, uh, I, this is beforehand, but essentially I had walked past him and let, let the card just sort of drop into his pocket. Right. And then I did the trick. Obviously, now I'm tipping the method that there was an extra card that was similar. But uh, when I did this trick for my brother, uh, he was astounded. It was one of the few times that he had actually let his guard down because sibling rivalry. And he just said that that was really cool. That was amazing. Right. And then, then I was, I kind of caught the bug. I just started learning as much magic tricks as I could. And how long did it take you to perfect that one routine with your brother? Oh, well, the, the funny thing is, is that I'd, I'd done that trick four times. Okay. And I never have done it since. Interesting. Did you get it on the first try? Uh, yes. Wow. Um, it wasn't a particularly difficult trick. Uh, that was sort of the, the sales pitch of the tricks on the tape was that they, you could master these in hours kind of thing, if not minutes. And the majority of them, they were absolutely true. No, from what I from what I see, it's or from what I sense, it's, it's it has to do a lot with distraction. Like if you want to achieve something, you you tell, or you, maybe you tell your I don't know what you call your your audience or whatever. Uh, like, oh, look at my hand. Are you paying attention to my hand while he's looking at your hand? Maybe your other hand is doing something else, but because he's looking at that hand, he doesn't like recognize that. Oh, you're slipping something somewhere. Would would you say that's kind of like accurate? Or? Um, yes, in a way. Uh, I tend to use, instead of misdirection, I tend to use direction of attention. Because misdirection has the chance that you might not catch what I want you to see. And you might actually see the thing I don't want you to see. Whereas if I direct your attention, I have a much higher success rate of achieving my goal. Nice, nice. And, and from your travels, from your performances, like um, who's your most gullible like audience? Is it like men, women, teenagers, kids, elderly people? Uh, each, each one has its own um, obstacles and advantages. Uh, I find that um, if I want an easier time, not necessarily an, uh, an easier uh, outcome, but an easier time and an easier going time, I tend to choose women to uh, entertain with. However, if I want a bigger and better reaction, I tend to choose men. Right, because men are always like, well, you're not going to get me. <laughs> exactly. And also, I'm I'm a, a not a tiny gentleman. I'm over six feet tall and over two hundred plus pounds. So for me to ask a nice lady 
they tend to be much smaller than me and I stolen their cell phone and their watch and their earrings and stuff doesn't <laughs> come across very nice on stage. Right. But if I can find a couple gentlemen that might be bigger than me, right. I tend to look like the hero. Interesting. That's a lot of attention to detail. Like you, you know, from when you're picking the audience to what type of tricks you do, like you seem to have this, you know, um, well thought out kind of thing. Uh, there's uh, sort of jokes in the in the magic community of uh, trying to be the smartest man in the room. And what's that joke? Because it's it's not so much a, like it's like a running gag, really. Because you're trying to be the smartest. You're trying to think of things that you could prepare before you would enter the room. Right. Um, if I'm going up into my kitchen, what what do I have available in my arsenal of tricks that I could do? How many of those tricks would allow me to get in within your circle so mm. I could achieve borrowing? something from you or putting something in your pocket so like i have a run a continual running tally hence the joke of like who's the smartest guy in the room because you're the one that put all the effort into right. being able to be that ready oh, that makes sense. uh there's a magician by the name of uh, michael weber he he was quoted as saying uh play the game so far in advance that the audience doesn't know they're even playing the game. Mm. So even before they walk through the door and sit down, like the setting and the, you know... I'm already ready. Mm. Uh, we're, uh, magicians are essentially just trying to be Batman. So that means it takes a, a bunch of acting as well because like you said, street magicians, like it almost seems like sometimes uh, magicians on the street make it seem like oh, they're just walking on the, on the street. You know, they don't want to perform, but they stop by and perform but that in yeah. itself might be a performance because they knew the exact spot where they where they'll stop what they'll do exactly and things like no not necessarily every magician does that um there are a lot of tricks that you can do sort of on the fly or whatever you have in your pockets but genuinely most magicians sort of have like a uh sort of the opposite of an escape route like we have a an entry route it's like oh we know you do magic tricks can you can you do something for us the majority of time we've already looked around the rooms like, oh, I can do a trick with a uh, can of Coca-Cola. Uh, there's a book there. I can use that to read someone's mind. Oh, there's a piece of string. I could do something with that. Like you're just doing running tallies all the time. Uh, the same can be said with the, being a pickpocket magician. I am constantly looking everyone I meet up and down for opportunities and signs that I can take advantage of, even when they're my friend. Interesting, interesting. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Um, I will be 44 this year, so 21 years. 21 years, you're 23 to 44, wow. In that time, has there been like any accidents, like maybe earlier on, uh, where you didn't mean for something to happen? Maybe someone's phone got destroyed, or I don't know, uh, set I've, someone I've on not, fire I've, or something? <laughs> <laughs> I've... I've I've uh, singed hair. I've never burnt any hair off, but um, I've had uh, I've been accused of uh, stealing someone's watch or not watch, but like cell phone or wallet. Um, I've I accidentally lifted an undercover uh, cop's wallet one time and displayed <laughs> displayed the badge with uh, not realizing that uh, if he was on the job, that could have cost him not only his job but his life. Right. No, but was um, he at a performance or this was just like a 
America's dream thing. This was just at a restaurant. Mm. I got hired to perform at a restaurant, for a walk around from table to table, uh, two hours every week on a right. specific. And uh, this gentleman was sitting at the bar with a, a girl in front of him, and I was entertaining the both of them. And I'd asked him to stand up and help me out. When he stood up, I'd slipped my fingers into his jacket pocket and pulled out his wallet. Mm. And uh, I opened it up and just went, "I am so incredibly sorry," and handed it back to him. And he laughed and. His like it's all good i'm not working it's fine got it but literally said like in the badge like it was like you know cop undercover don't ma- like just right it was the probably one of the closest time uh, i was sweating bullets right right and what, and, what's the, uh, oh i'm sorry go ahead uh and and i've i've stolen from uh, uh police officers uh uh mayors uh electees and even secret service so secret at, service at that moment yeah uh the, they must have uh, been Swedish caught slipping service. like i would think like people in the clandestine service are pretty alert yeah but they uh they don't know what they're looking for right right it's it's uh it's like i don't want to get into a fight but if i've never been in a fight before i kind of don't know what i'm looking for right right oh that's that makes sense that makes sense and you you touched on mind reading a little while ago i don't know can we play this podcast is audio unfortunately and you're not close to me and i know usually for most of your tricks you have to be in close pro- proximity with the the audience or what what do you even call the audience is it like uh the mark uh, usually or, I, I don't know i call them spectators the spectator okay mm-hmm is, is there something we can do here over Zoom? Like uh, you asked me to pick a number from one to 100 and you guess it or like you read my mind or something. I don't know, something cool. Um, yeah, well, we can try this out. Um, I can probably predict this for you, but it's going to be something that I would like to make sure I send to you. Um, and in a second, I'm going to turn my camera on so you can see this, but I'm going to draw oh. a prediction. You need me to turn my camera on? Um, I don't think you'll have to as long as this, this works right. Okay. But uh, I'm going to draw a prediction. And this would be something I would do um, with more than one person and folks at home play along. And as long as they listen to the instructions, everything should work out fine. Right. Maybe I should turn my camera on just so I can maybe put this on our social media pages or something. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Right. Let me make sure you can see me correctly. All right. There we go. So... I'm going to show you what I need you to do. And I'm, I don't want to see your hand. You can hold your hand on the table or on the, the table. desk in front of you. Okay. Right. Your other hand, you're going to put your first finger on your thumb. My left or right hand? Does one. not matter. My finger you, on my thumb? Okay. Whatever one's dominant, put that finger on your thumb, the opposite okay. thumb. So it should okay. look like this is how you're starting. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you to count five fingers. So it could be like this, just for an example. You're going to go one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Or one, two, three, four. Like the different combinations, but you're just right. not allowed to do this. You're just not allowed to go one, two, three. You're not allowed to do that. That's all. right. Okay. Okay. So you can't count the same finger twice. Okay. You start on your thumb and count okay. five fingers. Okay. And let me know when you're done. I'm done. Okay. Now, um, if I've done this correctly, I'm going to ask you to take away some fingers, and hopefully you're still touching one of the fingers that's left. But I'm going to ask you to bend in your thumb and bend in your pinky finger. Bend in my thumb on my pinky finger? Okay. Yeah, so it would look like this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and hopefully, if this is working so far, you've got your finger on one. You can tell me at the end if I've messed this up. Right. But from there, you're going to count three fingers. Okay. But so I have from just wherever three. you are, you go. Okay. Yeah. But you go one, two, three. Okay. And from there, I'm going to ask you to drop your ring finger. 
I should drop my ring finger. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to ask you to count three one more time. So one, mm -hmm. two, three. And one, get rid of the finger you're not touching. Two, three. And I should get rid of the finger I'm not touching? Okay, so I have one Correct. finger left. Okay. One finger left. I'm going to ask you to hold that up to the camera. Okay. Well, that's my answer, though. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. Hold it up. Right. Is that what you think of me? How rude. <laughs> no, that's the finger I <laughs> That's why I turned it this way. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Right. Here's the thing. Um, my, I'd written on a uh, post-it note a little drawing of what I thought of this whole trick. Oh, wow. Well, that was my exact finger. Okay. Okay. So that's something that I would have some fun with. Okay. Okay. That must, okay. That must have taken some getting used to. I, I see how, like when I was counting the fingers, as the fingers were getting smaller. So with the three yeah. fingers, like there's less of a combination. So, so, but yeah, that's a pretty mm -hmm. neat trick. That, that's a pretty it's neat a, it's trick. It's a trick that allows us to have some humor and some fun and allows me to get a little bit closer for us to uh, realize that your guard comes down. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, right. As as a as a fan of con artistry and Larson, I tend to know that this stuff isn't. That being said, I still find it fascinating that it could be. Right. So us trying to do something where I, I foretell the future in, in this case um, allows me to sort of enter your circle. Right. And what I mean by circle is your your bubble of awareness. Because most times you want to keep people at a certain distance if you never meet them. Social distancing was a thing before our predicament. We just didn't realize it then. Now it's forced upon us. Right. But my job was to insert myself within your bubble. Okay, that makes sense. Make me feel at ease, like provides yeah. an entertainment factor. And once people are wild, like you get more bookings and everything. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Like speaking of con and, artists, and oh, sorry, go ahead. All I was going to say was, is because I'm I'm a fairly large gentleman, I had to learn real quickly how to dissolve that. Because if I can stand a good head taller than you, I, that could be quite intimidating. Right, right. So I have to, I had to, uh, believe it or not, I actually had to study um, mascots. Interesting. Why? Well, out of context, that is a creepy thing. It depends, I guess. Well, well, I don't know. I've seen some of those mascots the, for a five-year-old child. Right. Someone in a costume to run at them can be very intimidating. Yeah, I guess that so makes I had sense. To, I had to study their hand gestures and how they move their body to be less intimidating, even though Mickey Mouse does stand close to seven feet tall. He does? I haven't been to Disney World, so maybe I have. <laughs> yeah, the costume, well, most people there. Most people in the costume are under six feet tall, but with the, the head and the ears on Mickey, he's yeah, standing he's close to seven feet. That makes sense. That makes sense. And for a five-year-old, that can be quite intimidating. Right, right. So they That's... have to learn how to be non-threatening and make sure that their hands are shown empty, all the rest of it. So I had to study how they would approach people so I wouldn't be intimidated right. when I approach people. You know what, that, that's pretty interesting. And that just speaks to, you know, how seriously you take your craft, you know. Um, but touching on, you know, larceny uh, for, for, for a little bit on Coronado Street, like some people would know or have this skill and mm -hmm. actually use it to actually pickpocket people and do other nefarious stuff. Like, has it ever crossed your mind? Maybe you were broke one month and said, oh, I can probably boost a car key here and there and, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, I, would, I would be lying if I told you that I wasn't thinking that mm -hmm. when those, those tight months come. But uh, I would feel too um, uh, emotionally wrecked 
if if I had to benefit while someone suffered. Mm. So my my father instilled somewhat of a moral code into me, and uh, okay, you're I a found, good magician. That, uh, yeah, I'm, I know I know well, some people will probably walk to the bank and make some bills disappear or something, <laughs> <laughs> or something. But are, are there any you know magicians out there that you admire? Copperfield, uh, I don't know, Penn and Teller. Uh, who are the popular ones? David Blaine. Uh, uh, David Blaine, I, I always have a spot for him because he's the reason why I got into this. And um, I also uh, like Teller from Penn and Teller. He's the, the brains behind the operation. Mm-hmm. But there's some names that North America has not heard of before. Is Teller the one that doesn't talk or that's Penn? I Correct. Forget. The one Teller's that chooses, one not, to chooses not to talk. Um, he's, he's quite the historian and uh, knows a lot about magic. Nice. Whereas I think that they're in Vegas, is... right? Like when last? Yes, time? they are. Yeah, when I went yeah. to Vegas the last time, I think I saw their billboard or whatever. I'll probably. I've, uh, I've even, I've even been uh, in talks of trying to be on their fool us uh, show, but uh, it's kind of hard to cross that border right now. Oh, you mean during the pa- what about pre-pandemic? Had you know your uh, show taking you we, outside we had, Canada uh, for travels and stuff? Outside Canada was fine. Um, prior to uh, COVID, um, I was actually getting my uh, feet wet doing security conferences, explaining how pickpocketing works to uh, hackers and security people. Um, I actually wow. did a talk at uh, DEF CON, the world's largest hacking. Well, country. I know DEF CON. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. You Im- imagine using uh, uh, your skills in magic for that kind of consulting. That's pretty interesting. Um, because of that, I got to travel over to Sweden and uh, was getting set up to go back to Sweden um, the following year, go to Texas and back to Vegas and a couple other places to uh, demonstrate how it works and show people how to sort of protect themselves. Uh, and nice. COVID sort of ground that to a halt. Yeah, Sweden, that's a place with a bunch of cool banks to uh, practice some magic, <laughs> <laughs> disappearing acts on or whatever. Well, that, that was that was uh, where, where I uh, had pickpocketed the Swedish Secret Service. Oh, uh, Sw- wait, Sweden the, has Secret Service? Well, I guess all countries have Secret country Service. Does. Yeah, but Sweden, Sweden? Oh, that's Switzerland. I'm sorry. Switzerland doesn't have an army, uh, but Sweden right. probably but does. I was at Stockholm for their security conference, and uh, their, their Secret Service was there on... Uh, display so to speak uh with their own booth and everything and uh was talking and then they had asked me why i was there and i said let me show you and i showed a couple <laughs> magic tricks and borrowed their watch and their phone and they the, the person that i had borrowed it from was impressed but not happy not happy have you ever borrowed something you didn't mean to like you, you put your hand in the pocket and pull out like a gun or a bag of cocaine or something I, i've never uh never pulled out a gun uh knock on wood but i have pulled drugs out of a pocket and just politely made sure that they got it back without people seeing that they had it in their pocket. Okay. I pulled out um, a lady's underwear from a gentleman's pocket one time. Ooh. Um, was his wife there was gonna, or his girlfriend? <laughs> well, yes. Um, that was, let's just say they were having a good night. Oh, it was hers. Oh, okay. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, thought it was that someone was the else's. Okay part, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. It wasn't someone else's, thankfully. But uh, they were having a good night. Right. 
Okay, that that's so, interesting. That would have spiced up the night more, I can imagine. Um, so I I'm hope so. I hope so. I'm Nigerian, right? I'm West African, and you know, on the islands, okay. like in Africa, like when we see things we can't explain, we automatically like attribute it to like voodoo. Like there's this Nigerian magician who's like 19 right now, or maybe he just turned 20. His name is Babs Cardini, and he okay. does like a lot of stuff on the street, and a lot of people like immediately does something. They might like walk away or run away and say, "Oh no, I can't. This is voodoo." Like even though like he does a lot of tricks, I can see that. Okay, this is something I probably probably seen it in the US and things like that. Have you ever been accused that, hey, this is some form of wizardry of voodoo or something, even though you live in Canada, I, I guess, but. Uh, it's, uh, I, I've had, um, I had Mormons believe that I practice black magic. I had a Mexican couple leave a restaurant calling me the Antichrist. Oh, most definitely. So that stuff does happen, probably not as frequently as it would in Africa, but it has happened. Interesting. So. And what, what's the future for James Harrison? Like, I know you talked about, you know, uh, coming across the border to do some shows in Texas and other places, but what do you kind of like see for yourself in the next five years? Would you like to have your own magic show? Um, would you like to write your own book? Or what would you like to see for yourself in the industry? Or maybe be, I'm not sure if, the, if magicians have like a Hall of Fame kind of thing, maybe get into one of those. Um, they, I think they do. I believe they do have a Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, the, the Magic Castle, I believe, has it. But uh, for James, I think trying to expand my horizons and sort of uh, enter the world of uh, social media magic and stuff like that, um, I have a rather sizable account on TikTok um, with over 160,000 followers. Nice. And uh, uh, it's continuing to grow as we speak, which is great. Um, I'm trying to get my feet wet in YouTube and uh, we'll see you know, a lot of a lot of magicians in the industry are happy to help. So that's good too. So we'll, we'll definitely see uh, more of uh, what I do on social media. Nice, nice. Well, James, I uh, really appreciate you coming to the podcast. I appreciate you being forthright with some of the information. Uh, you know, a lot of magicians hold that information close to your chest. Um, and I, I, you know, cultural class would definitely be there in your journey uh, in achieving all those things. And uh, yeah, at the end of the podcast, I always like to give my guests a few minutes to say whatever, if it's that's to speak to your future self or plug their social media or talk about your project, your working on or, or whatever it is um you can kind of like wrap it off uh any way you want to okay um for my future self i look forward to seeing what i've done with social media and how i've made it grow and expand it, even if i've decided to keep at it uh for that long but uh if people want to sort of see that journey they can just look up pickpocket james um that's my tagline on all my social media pickpocket james Perfect, perfect. If you could get passwords for some reason, you'll be like a billionaire because a lot of wives will employ you to get like your husband's passwords and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's just besides I've, the point. I've, uh, I've, I've unlocked uh, some folks' phones. Uh, in really? The kind of thing. So yeah. Wait, when you say unlock, yeah, you mean like ways. with a numerical password or like with a pattern kind of thing? Uh, numeric. Interesting. How'd you yeah, guess that? To it. Well, I can't reveal everything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off camera. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. Small small amounts of money will be exchanged. Right, right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, James. As always, you guys can follow Culture Class Podcast everywhere. Uh, it's cultureclasspodcast.com and send us a voice note with your questions and reach out to James as well. Till next time, be well.